0: This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by Art Tactic Forecaster. You can win prizes for correctly forecasting hammer prices of art and upcoming auctions. So what are you waiting for? Join our community of art forecasters now. It's free. Visit artforecaster.com to sign up. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. This week's episode, we're joined by Gareth Harris He's the chief contributing editor at the Art Newspaper. He's also a contributor to the Financial Times. We chat with Gareth about the Venice Biennale, arguably the most important art exhibition that happens every couple years. We get his thoughts on this year's edition, who are some of the artists that are being heavily talked about by collectors, galleries, dealers. We also chat with Gareth about Art Basel, which happened last week the most important art fair of the year. We hear about how robust sales were. How did the Venice Biennale influence what galleries brought to Basel this year? In addition to sales, what are some of the most frequent things that people are discussing at the fair? You know, collectors, galleries, dealers when they get together, they tend to be A few topics that they circle around and talk about quite a lot over the days of a fair. So Gareth lets us know what are on people's minds at the moment in the art market. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much. Gareth, thanks so much for speaking with us. Hello. Why don't we start by talking about the Venice Biennale and then we can discuss Art Basel. It's really interesting in the art world today. So much of the art world is photographed and experienced on Instagram. So even those who didn't te- attend Ven- the Venice Biennale, you know, you, I think you definitely got a glimpse of it if you were following along on Instagram, but of course that doesn't really replace the experience of actually being there. So tell us how was the Venice Biennale this year? How was this year's edition? And who are some of the featured artists that were really being heavily talked about?
1: That's a good question. Actually. Um, I think some of the main talking points were based around the pavilions in the Giardini. Um, these were generally a little bit disappointing, to be honest, but the French pavilion was a real hit. Um, that featured the work of the artist, Laure Poubo. And by the end of the first viewing day, there were huge keys to get into that pavilion. You sort of entered by the back door, you journeyed through a, a sort of surreal sculptural seascape of marine creatures. Um, and there were kind of cigarette butts everywhere and broken mobile phones across the floor. And then you were led into a screen in space uh, where you saw this, this film she'd made, which was basically a road trip um, showing her crisscrossing across France with 12 intergenerational characters, I think she called them, including a magician and a rapper. So that was, that was, a, that was a huge hit, actually. The French Pavilion turned out to be a, a must-see. Um, the most critically acclaimed piece as such was the Lithuanian Pavilion, um, this was set on a beach filled with ho- holiday makers. They were, they were pouring over their iPhones, their books, and celebrity magazines. And the viewing public uh, looked down on the scene from a sort of mezzanine from above. So they, those, those people who saw the work were kind of lulled into thinking this was a gentle evocation of a day at the seaside. But then they all started singing, the, the people on the beach. And it was a kind of chilling opera performance that pointed to the end of the world. It was it was a very strong environmental message there. Um, I think one of the men complained that it, it did not snow at Christmas. He sang this. <laughs> I think that was a sign that the weather is in disarray and global temperatures are on the rise. Um, other pavilions uh, that were popular include the Ghana Pavilion. That was a, That was a new pavilion. Uh, that was designed by David Adjaye. Um, and this is still, the events Binale is still running, by the way, it runs until the 24th of November. Now was a fascinating space that included works by Elan Atsui, Ibrahim Mahama. There were portraits by the female photographer, Felicia Abbas, a few paintings by Lynette Yodon boakye I hope I've uh, pronounced that correctly. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- those were a few of the highlights.
0: And so shortly after the Venice Biennale opened, Art Basel then opened in Switzerland. The Biennale, of course, occurs every two years, while the Basel Art Fair occurs every year in Switzerland. What are some of the key differences about the Art Fair when it either coincides with the Biennale, or it's a year in which the Biennale isn't taking place?
1: Um, I, I suppose the most obvious point is there are fewer... Uh exhausted visitors from America at Basel. (laughs) Uh Only in the sense that people do not have to combine the two events when the Biennale is not on, obviously. But I guess you could argue also that the Biennale brings more non-European visitors to Basel. There's quite a few collectors from abroad are keen to do the double as such and visit both. I think from a commercial point of view, that there is an overlap. Um, My colleague Georgina Adam, she, she ran a piece in the art newspaper and she said the two events Are interdependent in many many ways for example an exhibition in venice provides a powerful endorsement of an artist which in turn has an impact on prices reputation and georgine also says venice offers collectors first dibs on new and ambitious work which i think is interesting and and she says and i agree with her there's no doubt the sales were made in venice at the biennale and and this is borne out by the hundred plus shows held in addition to the official program of, say, 90 national pavilions and 21 collateral events. So there is an overlap commercially. You know, I think in the art newspaper we ran ran the headline, Venice Artists Make a Splash, The Great Biennale Buy Up in Basel. So you spot the works in, in Venice and then hopefully you can buy the works in Basel.
0: So it seems like the Venice Biennale Specifically, strongly influences what galleries are going to bring to Art Basel, and if a gallery has an artist or multiple artists that are featured in Venice in the Venice Biennale, they're most likely to bring work by those artists. So people have an opportunity to, who have just seen the work in the Venice Biennale in that incredible platform to be able to actually acquire works by those artists at Basel.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think the Modern Institute of Glasgow. That's a very good gallery. It showed work at Art Basel by Cathy Wilkes. She was the British selection for Venice. Um, it, and generally, in the sales reported, you can see there's a crossover. So, for example, Lo Pouvo, who I just mentioned, she was at the French Pavilion, well, she is at the French Pavilion. She had some sales with Lissan Gallery. I think her car, I think her Leche car tapestry sold for 75,000 euros with Lissan. Another piece by Pouvo, um, Drinking Fountain a uh, kind of glass sculpture that sold for fifty-five thousand euros with lisa and, and there's a whole string of sales linked directly to artists who appeared in in Venice so there was a very uh, there was an extensive George Baselitz show at the Galleria dell'Academia in Venice and I saw that there was a, a huge piece by George Baselitz um with Tadeusz Ropac at Basel uh bronze piece um, that sold for 1.75 million euros to a German private collection. And I just mentioned Garner as well, and that rising star Lynette yodombo Um she had two works with Jack Shamer Gallery in Basel, and um, they both sold, the first one uh, was called All of What We Have, None of What We Are, that sold for $140,000. She has a major show coming up at Tate Britain next year, so... She's certainly in the ascendant. Um, a, a big hit in the Arsenale at Venice um, was the artist Zanelli Moholy, a South African photographer. Her very kind of graphic black and white portraits are dotted all around the Arsenale exhibition space in Venice. And I saw that Stevenson Gallery sold 24 photographic works by Moholy um, uh, in Basel. I think that it was reported those works were sold during the first hour the first preview day on June 11th, and I think they were priced between $12,000 and $30,000. So there's a direct correlation, I guess, with those sales and those works and those artists. I think one thing that is interesting, perhaps this is slightly apart from the commercial considerations, is that the issue of climate change was on the agenda in Venice, thanks to the Lithuanian Pavilion, which I discussed just now. Um, and for me, it was a real turning point that there was a, a talk at art Basel called the carbon footprint of contemporary art. Um, I think environmental issues are still very taboo in the art world, but the organisers of art Basel will say they are trying to reuse materials. But at the moment, it's all a little under the radar—the the sort of eco issue. But this is going to get definitely going to gain traction in the next few years.
0: That's pretty interesting. So artists are clearly addressing this topic in their actual artworks, but what you're saying is that the art world in general, in terms of how it operates, specifically when it comes to these art fairs, isn't really addressing it at all.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you consider that the whole basis of an art fair depends on travel, um, you know, temperature, heating, (laughs) these are are all eco-issues, and at the moment I don't think it's really been addressed by... The people who run the art world, from dealers to art fair organisers. So, as I said, it's still a taboo issue, um, but it's slowly coming on the radar. I think it's interesting that talk was held in Basel. But as I said, it's called the Carbon Footprint of Contemporary Art. Um, there were very interesting speakers there. There was a speaker here from Rockbox. This is a, a sort of London-based startup which is trying to. Pioneer reusable crates for transporting works between fairs. So it's an issue that's going to come on the radar much more in the next few years. I mean, it has to in terms of climate change. We're all going to have to confront these sorts of things.
0: You've already mentioned a select number of sales by artists who were featured in the Venice Biennale. But if we take a step back and just look at Art Basel as a whole this year, how robust were sales overall?
1: Well, I think what was notable were the blue chip Megadollar sales, the, the high-end galleries seem to do really, really well. I mean, some of those prices were staggering, I think. David Werner Gallery sold an early work by Gerhard Richter. It's called Versammlung. It dated from 1966. The gallery said it was priced at $20 million. Um, it was consigned by Italian collectors. Uh, it was on the market for the first time in, in around 50 years. That's a huge price, I think. Um, And then also, David Zwirner reported a few key other sales. Um, They they included a sale of an early work by Sigmar Park for $10 million. There was a new painting by Kerry James Marshall, which they sold for $3.5 million. And then kind of going down slightly, a little bit down the ladder, um, I guess the rather healthy sales across the mid-range, the Basel-based Gallery on Barter, sold a fantastic work, by Sophie tuber She's the sort of pioneer of geometric abstraction. They had a great piece by her called Negative Positive Composition Vertical Horizontal. They sold that for one million Swiss francs. I mean, on the lower levels or whatever, more amongst the mid-range, I'm not sure how those sorts of galleries always did. I noticed Pado Romero, a very good gallery from Madrid. They sold a couple of works by Ian Wallace. Um, so I'm assuming their costs were covered. Uh, There was a very strong kind of Bauhaus moment at Basel this year as well, because it's the centenary of the design school. Um, I spoke to a Zurich-based dealer called Larkin Erdmann. He was selling a number of works by um, a Swiss architect called Max Bill, who was a Bauhaus practitioner, and he says that he did extremely well. He sold three works to major museums, several paintings to other collections, he says because they want to close the gap with the large latin american collections they have so i guess bridging the gap in terms of in terms of um, geometric abstraction and modernism that kind of thing
0: and going beyond the sales i think whenever you get a large group of collectors dealers galleries together there are usually a few topics that they discuss over and over so I'm curious, at this year's edition of Art Basel, what was on people's minds? What were they really talking about beyond just the sales that were going on at the fair?
1: It's interesting, because there were a few developments that really made waves, actually. The fact that Gagosian opened a permanent space in Basel, at first they announced it was a pop-up, um, then later in the week they announced it was going to be a, a permanent ground floor space uh, Rheinsprung number one, which is just down by the river, next to the Trois Hotel, a really key spot actually. It's where all the wealthy collectors stay in our Basel. I think they started they had a one week show there called Continuing Abstraction. They had some fantastic works in there. I think that did well for them. I mean the art newspaper reported the prices there for the Gagosian show range from three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars to twenty-five million dollars. So that's pretty high end again <laughs> what what was fascinating during the week as well was this issue of, of viewing rooms um so this is you know i think galleries are trying to find alternative ways of selling beyond the fair booths so at basel there were um private room, viewing rooms on the third floor of the fair, away from the kind of bustling booths um And it was again, it was reported in the art newspaper. But various dealers had had rented out these secluded showrooms from Art Basel, from the fair, some by the hour for as much as $1,500. And and I understand that Gagosian Gallery showed around 25 works in its viewing room, the, the majority of them secondary market pieces. And then in in the Art Unlimited section, which is the section of the Fair Four, um, large-scale, supersized works, there was a very powerful piece by an artist called Andrea Boas, um, which was called Open Secret, and that included about uh, red panels, which outlined around 200 sexual harassment allegations. So that was a work that was very current, topical and controversial even.
0: Gareth, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and helping us recap both the Venice Biennale as well as Art Basel. If our listeners don't already, they should check out all of your writings in the art newspaper as well as the Financial Times, and you're also often commenting about the art world and the art market on social media. If our listeners want to follow you there, what are your social media names?
1: Uh, my Twitter handle is at Gareth G-A-R-E-T-H. @hawr and my Instagram uh, name's the same.
0: Great. Thanks so much again Gareth for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.